and welcome to Behind the Drive, the podcast for girls and guys who love Formula One. I'm your host, Courtney Ross, and I am here for you every week to bring you fun and educational content while hopefully making some new F1 friends along the way. So if you love all things formula, then I highly recommend you hit the follow button to join the community and get notified every time a new episode comes out. Let's chat about what's been happening. So we had Silverstone, which what a weekend that was. I usually like to watch all the free practice sessions, quali and the race all live, but this was the first weekend that I couldn't because they were literally on in the middle of the night for me here in Australia. The first qualifying, for example, was at 3am on Saturday and then the sprint race started at 1.30am on Sunday and as obsessed as I am with F1, I love my sleep routine more. (laughs) But where do we start? Um, it was a eventful weekend to say the least. What did you guys think about the new schedule with the quali on Friday and the sprint race? I I have mixed thoughts, um, which I kind of thought I would leading into it. But the fact that the drivers only had a one hour practice session before going into quali is crazy. Uh, and we did see teams doing a few different tests and, and strategies. We had some that were going with full fuel and medium compound tires to try and, I guess, collect as much data as they could for the Sunday race, while others were pushing their cars to the limit on the soft tires to see what pace they could potentially bring to the sprint qualifying. So what happened in qualifying? Uh, Let me try and remember. Oh, so Lewis managed to get the fastest lap, which he received a lot of applause for from his home crowd for doing so. But I think having a teammate uh, like Bottas, who was out front just punching a hole in the air for him, probably helped him get that. And Verstappen was only a tenth behind him from memory. So it was super close. Further down the grid, we also saw a stellar performance by George, who managed to get into Q3 again and go eighth fastest. This guy is literally pushing the Williams car to the absolute limit. He is doing such a good job. In my opinion, you can tell that he's completely outgrown that car and, you know, is ready to move on. There's no denying that. But we have to keep patiently waiting to see what is in store for him next year. So sprint qualifying, that was definitely interesting to say the least. Overall, I did really enjoy it. I think the first couple of laps probably brought the fans the excitement that the F1 and FIA were trying to achieve by implementing the sprint qualifying session. Alonso, damn Alonso, (laughs) like he had such a good sprint. Um, He started in 11th and managed to work his way up to 7th. Mind you, he was on a soft tyre, which would have helped him. On the contrary, poor Perez just did not have any luck. (laughs) Uh, And that was for the whole weekend, basically, with Red Bull. It was a bit of a terrible weekend for them in general, which I'm sure we all know by now. There was also an incident between George and Carlos Sainz in the Ferrari, which sort of bumped Carlos off the track in the sprint. It's hard to say who was at fault for that though. I think it was just sort of one of those unfortunate racing incidences, but you know, they did both have to go to the Stewarts after the end of the sprint where we later found out that George received a three grid penalty for the main race, 
meaning he would start in 12th, which bit of a bummer for him. Uh, And then, of course, the race and those first couple of laps. Talk about intense. I was literally gripping (laughs) this pillow so tightly watching the battle between Lewis and Max. And that accident looked like one of the more intense ones we've seen for a while, probably since the Russell Bottas accident in Imola. Max had 51 Gs. That's G for goose eggs, which is a lot of force for the body to take. And it looked like a big impact when he hit the tyre barrier. It was such a relief though to see him walk out of the car, but you could tell like he wasn't right. But it was really interesting to see and hear all the different perspectives and opinions on who was at fault. In my personal opinion, I do think it came down to just a normal racing incident. However, I do think Lewis is more at fault. I don't know, you can just, when you look at the the footage, you can see that Max gave him more than a car's width on the inside line of that corner. But, and I'm, I'm just guessing, but I feel like Max may have thought that Lewis would back out of the undertake. And then from Lewis's side, he absolutely should have been hugging the apex. You can see from his driving line that he was just not going to hit that apex at all. So he was going too wide basically in the corner, which by that point, the crash was inevitable. I think the move was risky of Lewis and therefore a penalty was definitely warranted. However, a driver was taken off to hospital and he only received a 10 second time penalty and a deduction of two championship points, which that's nothing, you know. And then, which I'm all sure you've seen on Instagram, Max posted a very spicy comment on his picture, which I will read out. First of all, I am glad I am okay. It was quite an impact at 51 Gs, but feeling better. Obviously very disappointed with being taken out like this. The penalty does not give us help in any way and doesn't do justice to the dangerous move Lewis made on track. Watching the celebrations after the race while still in hospital is disrespectful and unsportsmanlike behaviour, but we move on. So, yeah, spicy words from Max, which I do kind of have to agree with. If hypothetically I was an F1 driver and I had an accident with someone and then continued to win the race, I would be a lot more humble and considerate of that. Lewis is extremely competitive though, and with the lack of wins he's had over the last five races, I'm not surprised that the competitiveness was high especially being in his home country with the pressure of having all his home fans. Maybe he got caught up in the excitement of winning, but I do think it was a little tasteless. He has since tweeted, which you may have also seen, saying the below. Today is a reminder of the dangers in this sport. I send my best wishes to Max, who is an incredible competitor. I'm glad to hear he is okay. I will always race hard, but always fairly. My team showed grit and perseverance out there. It's a dream to win in front of my home crowd. So obviously, he isn't seeing or admitting any fault in the accident, which I really don't understand. Like if you watch the footage, you can see his tires and with the trajectory that they're on, he was just too far out of the corner. He wasn't in there hugging the apex where he should have been to make it a clean undertake. But... You know, even Christian Horner made a comment, which I also agree with, which was that 
Lewis has been racing at this track for, you know, however many years. He knows the track. He knows the risks. And yet he still took it. But he is getting quite a bit of backlash for his incident and actions post-race. And I'll just read through some of the tweets that I've been seeing. I won't name pages or people, but I'll just read out their comments. So one fan said, shame on you, Lewis Hamilton, to celebrate your victory like you did today. A gentleman would say sorry and hope that Max is okay. Wish Max Verstappen all the best. A, another person said, after watching the highlights, couldn't say better. Shame on you, Lewis Hamilton. We keep moving forward, brother, at Max Verstappen. Another user said, hashtag Lewis Hamilton celebrating like he's won the championship after taking out his rival, getting a wrist slap penalty and being let through by his teammate is the most disgusting and shameful thing I've seen in hashtag F1. The desperation was evident. Kind of have to agree with that. I was going to talk about Bottas a little bit later. Um, but yeah, again, it was just sort of like, do what we have to. So Lewis wins the British Grand Prix, which I don't, I don't know. That just doesn't, it's just not very nice to me. Another user said, if you are willing to tell me that this is fitting behavior after winning a race by eliminating your main rival, I would have to say you and Lewis have completely lost it. Disgraceful. So there's a lot of backlash at the moment. And I don't think his post has really uh, helped the situation because he sort of said, you know, uh, it, it's just a, a part of the sport. And he's not really accepting any uh, ownership for the accident, which is quite disappointing. But it is what it is. Um, we'll see what happens after this. But the main thing is that Max is okay. He didn't sustain any major injuries. And hopefully we can sort of push through the championship and not have any more major incidences like this. So like I said, um, Hamilton did get a 10 second penalty for it. And after the accident, like as it was happening, the one benefit in my eyes was that Charles Leclerc was able to sneak through up into first place. Um, yeah, so he sort of took advantage of that and saw an opportunity and went for it, which was good because the race was obviously then red flagged and everyone had to return to the pits, meaning that he, when the race would restart, would be starting in P1, which is really good for Ferrari. We did see, though, that Leclerc was having engine issues. So he was out front um, of Lewis for quite a while, well, majority of the race, as you would have seen. But yeah, was encountering en engine issues, which was a little concerning, but they seemed to get that all under control. Apparently it was a software issue more than a mechanical issue, which is, I guess, maybe the better problem to have out of the two because it can be fixed. But Leclerc drove really, really well in this race. And I did feel really bad for him when Lewis overtook him on the 50th lap. Again, that was another like pillow <laughs> crushing moment where I was just watching it like, just keep going, man. Like I'm not even, I've never been in a race car in my life, but uh, you know, in those moments, every fan becomes an expert and you're like, just put your foot down, man. Like just get going. But yeah, unfortunately, you know, Lewis had the, the fresher tires. He had more pace and just caught up with him way too quickly. And it, it, it was an easy move um, for him, but yeah, I was a bit gutted for Leclerc. Glad that he ended up on the podium in second, but I would have loved to see him come first. So that was a little disappointing for me. 
Speaking of um, sort of like disappointments, <laughs> not to sound negative, but um, I mean, going back to Red Bull, probably not a good weekend overall for them. Um, Perez, whoa, what was happening there? Like, <laughs> it just seemed like he, uh, he, he did it actually, to be fair, he did a really good job catching up. So he started from the pit lane and then caught up to, I think, about 11th and then had to come in, did his tire change, went back out. I think he ended up about 16th when he came back out and then worked his way up again. But I think by that point, it was sort of within the last 10 laps and Red Bull realized that there wasn't a very good chance of him getting in the points. So they brought him in again, stuck a fresh set of tires on and sent him out to do the fastest lap to try and get that point away from Lewis. So normally the rule is you can only gain the extra point for the fastest lap if you are in the top 10 places. So by Checo coming in and and doing a tire change, he wasn't actually going to be gaining any extra points. He was just taking it off Lewis, which, yeah, they were probably like, you're not going to get any championship points you may as well take one off Lewis so that was basically the highlight for Red Bull the whole weekend it was a bit of a terrible weekend for them what else did we see in the race so oh Sebastian Vettel not not a good race for him so he had a little spin at the start um near the pit lane entry and then I think he was sort of hanging around the middle of the pack maybe sort of in the back third of it of the pack and then they had to retire the car, which obviously there was some something going on there. But by retiring the car, they are allowed to make changes and, you know, maybe give him a new gearbox for Hungary in two weeks. So it was probably the right move for them to make so they can just fully check over the car and change what they need without having any penalties for doing it. The other person that I was sort of really hopeful for was Lando Norris, which after the restart was up in third place, I think third or second He was either in third or second place, but either way, I was like, you hold on, boy, (laughs) like, you get up there, like, I want to to see you on the podium, but um, he just had a really slow tyre change, which then meant that Lewis was a lot closer, he caught up a lot quicker, and unfortunately just, yeah, couldn't couldn't defend it, I guess, he had to um, give up the place to Lewis, but like, that was something, that was something that was happening, like, all afternoon, they were just issues with a lot of different drivers and pit times you know Carlos Sainz had a really long pit Lando Norris had a really long one Alonso he was another guy that was stuck in the pits for a long time which I don't know if the heat was affecting the bolts or yeah the guns that they were using to change it because they all seemed to get stuck on a certain wheel and I was like oh no especially with Lando I was just like oh he had such a good chance of another podium and it's like his home race and I think at that point he had like a nine second gap to Lewis but because of the mess around in the in the pits he was basically yeah there was no chance Lewis was going to catch up and speaking of the pit lane times Am I the only one that's noticed that for the last couple of races, they haven't been listing the Red Bull times? Maybe maybe I'm making something out of nothing. But for the last couple of races, I've noticed that the time hasn't been listed when they're exiting the pits. And it only seems to be for Red Bulls. Like I, I understand if they weren't recording it properly or it just didn't appear for multiple teams but like everyone else's was displayed like I was I could very clearly see Lando's 
12 second one or Lewis's, you know, 15 second one. But I, I do wonder if it's sort of like a decision that was made so people didn't see that they were doing a 1.9 second tire change. So yeah, I don't know. I just found it really interesting. I'm going to keep watching it because I want to see if they do actually list it. But it was just one of the little details that I picked up on and was like, hmm, is this something? I don't know. But changing the topic to Bottas, um, I feel really sorry for this guy again. So he started in third, which was really good. He was, you know, running a pretty good race. But again, the priority was given to Lewis and Bottas was basically told to move aside to let Lewis come through. Understandably, I get it to a point because Lewis was clearly on newer tyres. So he was going to have a quicker pace. But I know it's a team sport, but Bottas still should have been able to defend his place because by letting Lewis pass so easily, just basically moving out of the way for him, it allowed him to get up to Charles even quicker. And I think if that was any other driver from a different team, they would have put up a challenge and then Lewis may not have been able to successfully overtake Leclerc in the last couple of laps. So I get this whole team structure thing, but at the same time, this poor guy keeps losing out. And even though he got a podium today and he got third, I don't know, I, I can't even imagine being in his position where, it, like, he's a support role. That's it. He's a support driver. Like, Lewis gets priority. And it's like, how is anyone ever meant to succeed in that second seat at Mercedes? And we haven't seen any clashes with Bottas, like what we did with Nico. But mm, I don't know. I just, it would be so hard. I think you'd have to have a personality that you're just sort of like, yeah, it's my job. Um, I get paid a lot of money to do it and I get to drive around. But yeah, I don't always get the opportunity to try and, you know, push for first place. But it is what it is. Like you'd have to be so chilled about that where I couldn't. I'm just way too competitive. I'd be like, no, like I'm in this competition just as much as anyone else. Like I should have an equal opportunity to try and reach second position or first position, whatever it might be. But yeah, it would be very difficult. So I do feel really bad for Bottas. I don't know what's going to happen next year. I would love to see him stay with Mercedes. But then at the same time, I'm like, they don't, they don't love you. Yeah, I don't know if they really... He's Like I said, he's a great second driver. But if his goal is to be a world champion, it might not be with Merck. But then I'm like, but what other team is it with? If he gets shoved back down to Williams, he's not going to achieve it there. Uh, well, not in, in any time soon. And there's no other teams with a lot of shuffles. Like, who, who can we think of? Like, who can he move to? Alfa Romeo, like, mm, again, midfield. Um, McLaren have basically signed. They're, you know, good for a couple of years. Like, I don't, I don't want to see him leave the sport. And I just feel like he's had a bit of a bit of a shit run with Mercedes. Um, still has achieved a great amount in his time there, but I don't know. I, I don't know him personally. I really can't comment to say like, what's your desires? What are you trying to achieve in your, in your career? But if that was me, I would want to be working with a team that wants to see me personally succeed. It's such a weird setup, F1. Like it's the first sport that I've followed that has this team structure, but it's still a rivalry where you're still both trying to outcompete and win. I don't, it's a bit odd, but anyway. And the other one was George Russell. Poor Georgie. He was basically up shit creek with a paddle. Wait, that's not the saying, is it? Because if you had a paddle, you wouldn't be up shit creek. Without a paddle, 
He was basically up shit creek without a paddle. <laughs> um, anyway, so he finished where he started, I think. Yeah, he did. So, I mean, not bad. Not bad for him. I'm sure he would have loved to finish in the top 10, but it was just not going to happen for him. So feeling a little disappointed for George, but again, good things are coming for him wherever he ends up next year. I can see him progressing. He is an outstanding driver. I'm a big, big, big fan of his. And yeah, I guess um, we'll just have to keep supporting him and seeing where his F1 journey leads to next year. Okay, guys, we have crossed the finish line for today's episode, and I really appreciate you sticking around. I do hope you found some value in what we discussed, but if you have any suggestions on things that you would like me to cover in upcoming episodes, please inbox me on the Behind the Drive Instagram page, and I'll be sure to look into it for you. Next week, we will be talking about the wonderful Daniel Ricciardo and diving into his career and whether his best driving days are behind him. I've also got some cool stats and fun topics to go through, so I hope to see you in episode two. Bye.